We're in the midst of a sermon series on Romans, and we'll be reading Romans chapter 11 from verse 1 to verse 10 tonight. Romans 11, verse 1 to verse 10. We're not going to exhaust everything that could be said about this text, not that any sermon can do that, but in the coming weeks, we'll pick up on some themes from this text that we won't cover tonight. So Romans 11, from verse 1 to verse 10. I ask then, did God reject his people? By no means. I am an Israelite myself, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. Don't you know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah, how he appealed to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I am the only one left, and they are trying to kill me. And what was God's answer to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. And if by grace, then it is no longer by works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. What then? What Israel sought so earnestly, it did not obtain, but the elect did. The others were hardened as it is written. God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes so that they could not see, and ears so that they could not hear to this very day. And David says, May their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see, and their backs be bent forever. This is God's word for us, his gathered people today. It seems like at every wedding, or at least every wedding that I've gone to, there's just something that goes wrong. There just always seems to be something that goes wrong at every wedding. And I went to one wedding where the thing that gone wrong was that they had planned on way, way too many guests. You know, they'd sent out the nice invitation cards and the RSVPs, and all the people who'd gotten back to them and confirmed that they were coming, they wrote them down. But then everyone who didn't get back to them, they also assumed all of those people were coming. And that gave them a much, much bigger number. So they rented this huge space. They were expecting a lot of people. And instead of a flood of people coming in, there was sort of this trickle. Bit by bit, few people came in, few people came in. So there were a few people sitting here and there, but the place felt pretty empty. And so the family fussed and they worried. They even delayed the ceremony a little bit, kind of waiting for everyone to show up. And finally, they just went ahead with the crowd they had. They did the ceremony. They did the reception. They got married. It worked out okay. But the family had some angst and some disappointment. The mother of the bride especially was just really, really disappointed. She felt this huge, huge letdown. Why hadn't the people come? This was supposed to be the perfect day for her daughter and the whole family, and they're just wasn't the kind of party, wasn't the kind of celebration, wasn't the kind of crowd that she'd wanted and expected. You get some of that sense of rejection and wondering in these chapters of Romans. Paul, who wrote the book of Romans, really had to wrestle with the reality that most of the Israelites were rejecting Jesus as their Savior. The Israelites, these were God's people. God had been working with them in special ways since the time of Abraham. But then Paul had to look around and he saw that most of 
God's own people, the Israelites, most of Paul's own people were turning their back on God's work. They'd rejected Jesus. They'd arranged to have him killed. They denied his resurrection. They'd persecuted and killed those who believed in him. And Paul himself had been part of that for quite a while. But Paul and himself, an Israelite, a descendant of, David, of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin, he'd finally come to see Jesus as the true Messiah, the one God had promised. But still, most of Paul's people were going in the opposite direction. And as he saw that happening right in front of his eyes, he had to wrestle deeply with it. So at the beginning of chapter 11, Paul asked this heartfelt question, did God reject his people? Did God reject his people? And while some things change, Paul's situation in many ways was very different from ours, but some things stay the same. This might still be a question we could ask today. Even today, many people who seem like they should be following Jesus just aren't. Many, many people grow up in the faith and at some point they walk out the door and they never come back. I would guess we all know people who've rejected the gospel. Maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's someone you grew up with. I think most of us can think of at least one person, maybe a bunch of people who've walked away from the faith. And so we face this question. Has something happened in God's plan? Have we done something? Has something gone wrong? Has God rejected us, his people, somehow that we look around and we see all those people who we think should follow but who don't follow? What do we do with that? How do we answer this question? Has God rejected his people? And, of course, Romans 11 tells us pretty emphatically, no, God didn't reject his people. And it gives us a couple answers, a couple ways to think through how we can answer that question in the negative. The first example, the first response that Paul gives is to point to himself. God didn't reject his people. God didn't even reject Paul. Even someone of the Israelites who went around killing those who were truly believing in God's plan. Even Paul. Even that Israelite. Even that person who was trying to wipe out people who believed in Jesus. Even that man, God held on to. Paul himself was living evidence that God had not rejected or abandoned his people. Paul was living evidence that God was still at work among the Israelites, even though many of them seemed to have rejected him. And this can be good news for us today, too. We shouldn't give up hope for those who seem like they've wandered away from the faith. Some of the most committed Christians I know spent years, decades even, running away from God. I would think even some of us here tonight spent a long, long time doing everything that we could to get away from God, to push Him away, to just give up the faith. There are living signs all around us that God does not give up on His people. I think there are living signs in all of our lives that even when God's people walk away from Him, God still holds on them. So when you see a church member who seems to have walked away, when you see a friend who seems to have walked away, if you look at your family, 
your children even, who seem to be walking away from God, don't despair. Don't give up hope. God holds on to his people through thick and thin. God doesn't reject his people, and his reach goes way, way farther than we might expect. And then after Paul gives himself as an argument that God hasn't rejected his people, he also draws on a story from the Old Testament. You probably know the story of Elijah. He'd been fighting against the prophets of Baal for years. He'd been dealing with an unfaithful king. And just before this story that Paul references, Elijah had won a huge victory. The prophets of Baal had been almost wiped out. The Lord had showed his power with fire and lightning. And you could expect Elijah to think, hey, we are on the right track now. But then just a little bit after that, things turn again. And Elijah had to run for his life with a royal price on his head. And so Elijah despaired. He feels alone. He's fleeing for his life again. And he goes to God and he complains, I am the only one left again. And what is God's response? No, you're not the only one. I've reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. And 7,000 is a lot more than one, right? A lot more than one. And Paul could pull that story forward and apply it to his own time too. Many of those who you would have expected to stick close to God were falling away, falling away. Most of the Jewish people, the great leaders, the people who should have known the Old Testament and should have gotten God's story and God's plan, a lot of them were distancing themselves from God's work. This was a problem. It was something that Paul and all the believers at that time had to wrestle with. But all was not lost. There was still a remnant being saved. Most of the Jewish people were turning away from Jesus, but many of them, many of them had come to accept Jesus as the true Messiah. And what's more, many people from all the nations of the earth were coming to believe in Jesus as their Savior. Sometimes we might feel like Elijah, alone and helpless. People who were close to fall away, people who we thought we knew, people who we thought really belonged to God's people, people who we thought were going to hold on have fallen away. Maybe they have some crisis that prompts a lack of faith. Maybe they just kind of drift away. It hurts. It hurts. It hurts when we see these people we care about just drift away. It hurts when we look around our nation and we see more and more people just wandering away from the faith and wandering to other things. And it can leave us feeling confused, helpless, hopeless even. And we should grieve just as we see Paul grieving in this section of Romans. This is hard. We don't always get all the answers we would like about why certain people fall away or why God doesn't force more people or somehow bring more people into himself. But Romans 11, Romans 11 assures us that God always, God always keeps a remnant for himself. There is always a remnant and sometimes way, way more of a remnant than we might expect. We don't always know how God is at work, but he is always at work. God always, God always keeps a remnant safe.
So let me conclude with a couple reminders tonight. First, remember that only a remnant are saved. Only a remnant are saved. Sometimes, especially as North Americans, we expect everything to be easy and convenient and things to go according to plan, and that's just not always how life works. Only a remnant are saved. But second, and more importantly, remember that a remnant always, a remnant always is saved. No matter how challenging the circumstances get, God always holds on. God does not reject his people. Even when some of his people fight against him for a time, God brings them back. Even when we feel alone and on the run like Elijah did, God is at work bringing multitudes of people to himself. Even when we feel like we might be one against a million, God always has his 7,000 that he is preserving along with us. Sometimes we might feel like the party's way too small, like too many people have turned away, like too few are really following the Lord. But Romans 11 assures us that the Lord always holds on to his people by his grace. God didn't reject his people at Paul's time. God doesn't reject his people now. The Lord carries us through. There is, there always will be a remnant of God's people saved by his grace. 